before you hear the scripture, David's coming up to share that with you in just a second. Um, I want to give you some context to what this passage is about. Um, in the gospel, Jesus has had a pretty powerful uh, leading up to this moment. He's been doing miraculous healings. The disciples seem at some points to, to start to try to understand, at least being receptive to trying to figure out who he really, truly is. And maybe that's why he goes ahead and begins to think that perhaps they're ready for the most amazing revelation of who Jesus, come on up, of who Jesus is and what he was about to do. And so I invite you to hear this story, which I believe is truly the first Christian camping story. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, is it good for us to be here? Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. And they were coming down, as they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Dave. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, we ask you to allow us to be dare, to dare to be willing to go to the top of the place where we will experience the miraculous. See transfiguration that becomes transformation within us and come back to the valleys where we live proclaim your good word. We pray that this scripture might be replicated today in us and through us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, campers. Glad you're here today. We're going to start off with a song. Are you ready? You got to get things out of your hands. Come on, come on, come on. You guys know how we do it at camp here. Come on, come on. All right, here we go. This is a repeat after me song. I said a boom chicka boom. I said a boom chicka boom. I said a boom chicka rocka chicka rocka chicka boom. Uh huh. Oh yeah. One more time. On your water version. I said boom chicka boom. I said, boom. Oh, yeah. One more time. Do you really want to do it one more time? You know, at camp, you do silly songs, right? It's sort of what you do. I mean, every camp has their sacred, ridiculous songs.
and every camp is sure that their version is the right way to do it. And if you're ever one of those weird people who go to different kinds of camps, and you find somebody who doesn't do it the way you were taught it, you feel like you're sitting around a bunch of heathens, because they don't do boom chicka boom the right way. Why do we do silly songs at camp? Well, silly songs is a way to begin to try to invite people to understand what camp is about. Camp is a place where there is nothing you can do that will make you look so silly or so foolish that you will stand out from others. Because at camp, we all look silly. And we all get goofy. And we're all invited to come for a week or whatever the length of the camp is and find a place where all are equal. To find a place where all are invited to become who they are naturally, that is to be the children of God. And as we experience this unique place, we come into an understanding that perhaps this is the way it was always intended to be. That in fact, perhaps camp isn't a bizarre place, but the world is. And that when we gather at camp, we begin to be welcomed into a community that is practicing what perhaps it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. That's why we have camp. So that children and youth and adults can find a place where they are welcome to leave the routine of their life to discover a place that's been open enough that perhaps God can be revealed, faith can be embraced, new communities formed, new friendships that are lasting created. The transformation might occur in the lives of all who are on the ground on that holy week. That's why we do camping ministry. In my earlier ministries, I was privileged enough to be a part of being invited to serve on Judson Collins' camp as a volunteer dean. Uh, my wife, Laura, actually worked for several years as, the, as one of the cooks in the kitchen at um, Judson Collins while we were there serving in the Onset area. And over the years, I've served as dean for children's camps at uh, Judson Collins. I've led camps up at Kinnewin, including canoe camps. And for 12 years, led and initiated with my good friend Nancy Wojcik, a camp for adventure camping for camps for adults with special needs. A lot of my ministry was invested in that kind of ministry. I was privileged, Sherry mentioned it, to serve as chair of the Board for Outdoor Education for 12 years, and during that time was on the committee that began and executed the building of Camp Kinnewind, where Sherry now works. A very intentionally designed camp where children are invited to come into the woods, not just children, to come into the woods and create small family groups, six to eight kids, 
the two counselors, and to learn what it was to experience life in a new way, to go a little rustic, and to have a lot of fun with the ultimate goal at the end of the week that they would have had an experience of holiness. Camp can be exhausting. Camp is where you can be silly. Camp can be scary when you first get there and you're all alone and you're not sure what you're going to do with these strange people. But perhaps the most difficult part about camp is when you leave. And you have to leave all that behind, it feels like. And you have to think about, how am I going to tell people about camp? Because the truth is, you sort of had to be there to understand why this story matters, to understand how silly it was when this thing happened. I used to listen and talk to parents who would bring their kids home from camp And they would tell me one of two things. Either they could not get their child to quit talking, or they couldn't get their child to say anything. And I would say to them, what will matter most is not what happens on the drive home, but in the week to two after, when they'll try to figure out how to assimilate what they learned at camp into regular life, back into your home life, back into school back into their friendships. Because ultimately, every real camp story is about transformation. So let me tell you a camp story. Jesus was with his disciples, and he picked three of them to go up on top of the mountain with them. So Peter, James, and John get excited to go on up. They thought they were going to have some private time with Jesus, which is pretty precious by then because there are a lot of folks clamoring for Jesus' attention. They went up to the top of the mountain, and it says that they began to pray, that Jesus was in an attitude of prayer. He clearly needed to go someplace where all of the stuff of the ordinary day could be settled down, and he could focus. I'm being at one with God. He invited Peter, James, and John to do the same thing with them. And then the most unbelievable thing happened. We call it the story of the transfiguration. They look up and they see Jesus is not alone. With him is both Moses and Elijah, and Jesus is transfigured. That is to say, he is changed so that he is like those who were the ancient revealers of God's truth. Moses by giving the law, Elijah by being one of the prophets, and now Jesus as the Messiah. These three are now of the same form, but so different from what we know. And they are in conversation that the disciples cannot understand or hear. They watch this. And then things go back. Moses and Elijah are gone. Jesus is back the way he was. And Peter thinks this is pretty cool. Hey, why don't we just stay here? 
I'd rather be here on top of the mountain than go down and be back with the riffraff. You know what I'm talking about. Well, that's not really what it says. What it says is this. Peter looks around after Elijah and Moses is gone, are gone, and realizes that all he, they have left is Jesus. <laughs> Did you catch that phrase? All they got left is Jesus. I'm not sure I want to go back down in the valley. And Jesus encourages them to understand, yeah, they got to go back. Because what needed to happen on top of the mountaintop has happened. These three disciples were confirmed a little more clearly of who Jesus was. A little more clear about the calling that they had. And invited to go back to the regular world where the only thing they had to go with them was a little more Jesus. Have you ever had that mountaintop experience? The truth is, we do camping ministries of all kinds to provide an opportunity for holiness to happen in the lives of the people who are there. It replicates what we do here every Sunday. This is camp, right here. Every Sunday, you are invited to get together with a peculiar group of people. And some of you are a little more peculiar than others, but we welcome all of you equally to join together to do things that to the rest of the world seem silly. I mean, what am I wearing after all? This is ridiculous. We do so in an attempt not to dazzle you with music or overwhelm you with the amazing oratory skills in front of you. We do so to create a space of holiness so that somewhere in the crazy chaos of this hour and this community as we gather together, you will have a moment when you will see about Jesus what you could not see before. Well, you will have a moment where we will have a moment collectively to redefine who we are, to help us look up from the normal of our life and see the extra normal that God is doing in every moment, to have the opportunity before we walk back out the door to have this realization that we're not taking the choir home with us, we're not taking the preaching home with us, we're not taking the cookies. Well, some of you do take cookies from the church home with you, that's okay. But most of all, what you take home with you is Jesus. And here's what we've learned. If at the end of your camp story, all you've got left is Jesus to go home with you, you're good to go. That's the point. And that's why we're here. So I'm going to be honest with you. Throughout this past week, I've been racking my brain to try to tell you which camp story I want to end this sermon with. And there are a lot of them. In fact, when I was moving my office most recently down to where we are now, I came across literally stacks of pictures from my camping days. 
I had a guitar. I was singing to the kids. I was canoeing with the campers. I was playing on the earth ball. I was on the high ropes course at Judson Collins. And all of those pictures just brought back story after story and memory after memory for all of those kids and adults that I worked with. And I tried to pick out which one I wanted to tell you. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Yesterday, we experienced a camp story in this room. My friend Greg Seaman passed away this last week. And yesterday, we celebrated his life. And Greg was a camper. He was director of SCAMP for a lot of years. And Greg was one who was on a perpetual journey to discover transfiguration. The moment when he could see where Jesus was real to him. And he would come here to church, and he would worship, and he would sing the songs and do the silly things we do in church. But it was only a few years ago when he began to realize that this was about more than just behavior, it was about transformation. And Greg kept sneaking back into camp. I mean, we'd get done with church, and you all would go home, and he would go home. But throughout the week, Greg would sneak back into the church, unannounced, needing no one's attention, only to go into the sanctuary to sit and pray. And I would catch him sneaking out of the church periodically like you do a camper sneaking out of the kitchen with an extra cookie. And we would talk. And he would say, I just need to stop by and talk with Jesus. And so he would. And I'm here to tell you that when Greg talked to Jesus, Jesus talked back to him. I know because I asked him. And from those conversations, he found such peace and such power and such holiness encountering him in the holy place of the camp that we all share. He was able to endure so much in his life and grow so close to Christ that as I told the congregation gathered here in front of me today, or yesterday, one thing I know is this, because Greg told me, I love Jesus, and when I die, I will not be afraid, because I know who will be there to catch me. Now, is that a camp story? Well, the fact that it didn't happen on one of the United Methodist campgrounds in the state of Michigan, maybe some would say no, but I think it was. Because I think at the end of the day, every time the Christian community gathers together to sing its psalms, to act out its rituals, to eat its food, to make crafts, we do so with this one fundamental goal. That at the end of the day, when we leave, 
we know that all we have with us is Jesus. And we'll be good to go. Do I think you ought to send your kids to camp? Do I think you ought to go to camp with your grandkids? You know I do. I also think that you and I need to understand the honor we have to coming to camp every Sunday and going home with Jesus. Amen.